Welcome to the Oil & Gas Elevate podcast. Each week, Sean McCoy and Eric Johnson share real-world case studies of businesses in oil and gas that are successfully navigating the complex environmental, social, and governance landscape. These are the stories that are driving the energy evolution. Here's a demonstration of some mental stimulation. We a nation making change. Let me frame the illustration. It's time for us to elevate your mind to a higher place. OGG in the power here to innovate. Innovate. Elevate your mind to a higher place. OGG in the power here to innovate. Welcome to the Oil and Gas Elevate podcast. This is one of your co-hosts, Sean McCoy, and I'm here with my buddy, my partner, Eric. Good to see you, bud. Good to see you. How are you doing? The answer, living the dream as always, especially today. You know, one of the things that we've seen so much out there in the ESG world and in the oil and gas world, there's companies that are trying to change. There's companies that are out there at the forefront. I don't know of a company in all of oil and gas, let alone the super majors, that I've seen more proactive, more out there, and really doing some, some fundamental shifts in terms of how they're doing business than BP. Yeah, it's a it's an amazing story. I'm excited to share it with our, our listeners today. You know, something that stuck with me months and months ago, one of our initial episodes, our good friend Paul Holland from Mach 49 in Silicon Valley. You know, we, I asked that question like, how many how many incubators do we need? How much innovation do we need? And his response is, well, how much innovation do you want? And that has just <laughs> stuck with me ever since then. We need more and more of kind of our industry leaders to take those reins and and to incubate, to help, and to grow companies and to find that innovation and technology. So excited for today's conversation. Yeah, because it's not it's not just BP, but it's something that they've done called BP Launchpad, which is an augmentation. So it's not just you know BP out there you know talking about things. They've actually created a company. They actually have companies in a portfolio where it's this corporate meets startup idea. Where why not take all the resources and all those things, kind of like what Halliburton Labs we talked about. In recognizing that corporate recognition of we have a lot, a lot more we can offer and what we can do to develop these areas. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. So with that, we're going to have Steve Cook, who's the operating partner at BP Launchpad. But don't let that fool you. He's got about 22 years at, at, at the company, so he's, he's one of their own. And we're going to talk to him about the development of this project and what's going on. Really exciting stuff. And we're going to have Darren Edgar, who's the CEO of Light, one of their portfolio companies, coming in and add a little insight. And we'll get to them right after this break. Hey, Sean, a quick note about our sponsor, Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Through HPE's extensive activity and experience in the oil and gas industry, they have identified six key areas to enable your company to get ahead of the competition. Cloud-based consumption, advanced analytics, secure mobility solutions, physical and cybersecurity offerings, asset virtualization, and application modernization. So with that, do you want to find out more about one or all of those solutions? Go to www.hpe.com forward slash engage forward slash IOT or click on the link in the show notes for more information and to download their white paper about these subjects. Well, welcome back. We got Steve Cook with us today. Steve, thank you so much for coming on and talk to us about BP Launchpad. Hey, Sean. Hey, Eric. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. So, Steve, I just want to start, as we, as we typically do in the beginning, like we were saying, BP's been very aggressive. Obviously, he's doing things beforehand. This isn't just a new thing. But can you give us an idea relative to this, to what BP Launchpad is? What was the opportunity? What was kind of the problems internally that BP saw that was the reason that y'all wanted to step into this space as you did? Yeah. So, I guess the inception of Launchpad came almost three years ago now. And just in the context of the the energy transition, which I'm sure you and your listeners have been talking about a lot, the need for the world to get to a net zero carbon energy system, and the fact that, you know, sitting as an incumbent in the oil and gas space, BP has been doing 
doing what it's been doing for 110 years or so. And the transition that we need to make in terms of the portfolio shift and the shift into new business models, digitally enabled businesses and lower or zero carbon businesses is really profound. And when we looked at our innovation ecosystem in BP, in the context of all of that and all the change that needed to happen, I think we feel we felt like we had a gap to fill. And that gap was in the scaling of new, particularly digital companies in the lower carbon or, or zero carbon space. And, you know, you talked about innovation and, you know, the importance of innovation. It's actually critical, I think, to, to have innovation flourishing in order for us to maneuver through the energy transition, not just for our company, but for the, for the world. And innovation, obviously, is that journey from invention to value. And in order to get to the value that at the end, you need to be able to scale. You need to be able to scale ideas, business models, companies, products, and solutions out from early adoption into mass market. And that's what really Launchpad is designed to do, is to bridge that, bridge that chasm or cross that chasm. And that was a missing part of our, of our army. BP has always been pretty good at accessing new ideas, whether from inside our own company and our R&D uh, organization or, or from the startup world or from academia or other partnerships. But we've never been very good at scaling up new businesses that we want to own for the future. So that's, that's really how Launchpad came about is through a recognition of that gap. So I want to ask a, a quick question about that. You mentioned scale. You mentioned logistics. Can you help us understand? Because sometimes we hear these words and we don't quite grasp why that's such a huge deal and why it's such a big proponent of, of progress. I remember years ago when I was at Schlumberger, one of the execs that I knew really, really well gave me a, they'd done a, a big energy report with the DOE and the and super majors. And one of the aspects that they put in there was just the implementation of something as simple as anti-lock brakes into cars and how long that took us to actually make it to where it's standard or cruise control or intermittent wipers or something like that. And that's just a small change of an existing process, existing product. So with that in mind, can you kind of help the listeners out there maybe kind of appreciate from a corporate level in your experience, why is it so hard to integrate on a vast scale, either either width-wise or, or new technology and scaling it up? I think there's a number of parts to that, to the answer to the possible answer to that question. One is to do with incumbency and the fact that, you know, particularly in our industry, the incumbency is enormous and therefore making any changes requires changes of very established working pattern systems. And it takes time, it takes money, and it takes effort to make changes to those established systems. So that's one thing. But I also think it's hard for a, any large corporation, actually, to create an environment which is conducive to rapid scaling from you know idea or concept through to scaled new businesses that particular part of the journey requires huge amounts of experimentation a certain appetite for commercial risk and failure a very rapid and agile decision making process and a different kind of talent base that is willing to go on that journey and it's not typically an environment or a set of talent you naturally find inside a large corporation, especially not one that's built like BP has been around a large installed asset base and managing risk and continuously improving that asset base, as opposed to 
really aggressively growing new products and solutions into new markets. So that's another reason why it's quite hard to do this if you're not, you know, it's why the startup world exists in the way it does in many ways. Yeah, it's true. So, you know, I, I couldn't agree more. And so with that in mind, when you have BP Launchpad coming out as a result of this, can you tell us ex- what exactly is it and how does it operate? So it's in many ways you encapsulated it in, in your introduction, which is kind of we want to have our cake and eat it. We want to have the best of both worlds between a startup environment and a corporate environment. And clearly that's much easier said than actually delivered. But that's at the heart of what of what Launchpad is. It's it's the best bits of a venture capital or private equity fund. That environment, that mentality, that dynamism, and that approach to investment, combined with the things from, in our case, BP, a large corporation, that can be incredibly valuable to growing companies, and that's access to our internal market, access to our domain expertise, our relationships around the world customers, data from our operations, a whole range of these things which are like gold dust to a, to a normal startup sitting in a purely financial fund. So we wanted to bring both of those things together into one place because we think by doing that, that we can, be, we can deliver better returns than a financial fund and we can scale companies faster than if we had them purely inside the corporate environment. And the way in which we've done that is to is to create Launchpad as a subsidiary of BP. So it's a separate entity. It's a separate company. We employ people on different terms and conditions. We have our own processes and systems that we run. We sit on a different digital platform to the rest of BP. And that all enables us to have some degrees of freedom to be able to design our environment differently and design our culture differently to suit the kind of companies that we're working with and the kind of talent that we need to attract. But equally, by being a wholly owned subsidiary of BP, we're connected enough into BP that we can reach into the mothership, if you like, and and kind of go and grab some of these things which are incredibly valuable and advantage to the companies that we're growing. So that's kind of how we're how we're set up. So we are we have some degrees of independence, but many degrees of interdependence with BP. And Launchpad is building a portfolio of companies that we are entering into when they are still quite early in their journey. They have typically have some customers, have some revenue, have a team, have a proven product or solution, but they need to go from that small number of early adopting customers to, to the mass market. And that's the journey we help to take them on. So that's the construct. And inside the Launchpad organization, we have a team of about 45 people now who are all drawn from the venture capital, private equity startup world, who've been entrepreneurs themselves, who've lived that journey, or who have specific domain expertise in things like building a startup tech stack or growth hacking, growth marketing, revenue operations, talent and people hiring, organizational design, leadership development. So all the component parts of expert capability that you need to, to really accelerate the growth of a company. So we have that capability inside Launchpad. And then we have the companies themselves, which are run really relatively independently by boards of directors. So excellent. So I know there's all kinds of ESG things that those companies do, but I want to, one of the things we try to do is like, where's this, where's this impact of one of those three pillars? But I'm going to kind of go back to the BP side on the G side from a governance standpoint and ask you a little bit about it. Like, as I said in the beginning, it just seems like with the CEO on down, the corporation of BP has almost has a collective belief 
of you know being proactive in this area. So can you talk a little bit about the the G silo inside VP itself? Yeah, we've been in corporate venture capital for about 15 years. So, you know, as a corporation, you know, the company has always been always has been for a long time active in the startup ecosystem. So it's something that the company is comfortable with and understands quite well. So when we created Launchpad, the familiarity with the startup ecosystem helped a lot in terms of you know, getting our senior management comfortable with the, with the idea of doing it in-house. But from a governance point of view, we worked very hard in the design of Launchpad to kind of create a governance structure which, which allowed us to spend the com- company's money wisely and so, you know, we have an investment committee that is populated by some of our most senior management with representation from the innovation group inside BP, from our corporate strategy organization and from the relevant businesses and functions that we need to have involved in that decision making. So that's, you know, that's the group inside the company that makes some of the big decisions on which companies, which investments we make, which companies we bring into Launchpad. But from there on in, a lot of the decision-making that continued further investment in these companies, strategic direction that we take these companies in is either in the hands of myself and my co-lead in Launchpad, Shabon Clark, who is the other operating partner, or in the hands of the, the boards of directors and the management teams of the companies themselves. So a lot of the decision-making is devolved down into, into the companies where the activities really going on. And that's a bit of a leap of faith for the company to go on in terms of, you know, tolerating that degree of independence. But so far, I think it's, it's working quite well. And it's taken us a little while, I think it's fair to say, to work through the bumps of how to make that governance work effectively. But we've, we've, we've kind of got there after a couple of years of experimentation. Hey, Steve, I want to go back to a phrase you used earlier that I really liked. It was this kind of invention, invention to value journey and just that process. And, and I know we're going to talk to Darren in a minute about that journey and get her thoughts on it, but I, but I want to get the launch pad side of it first. And one thing I'll tell our listeners, if you spend any time on Launchpad's website and kind of look at the things they're doing and look at the portfolio companies, one, one phrase that you see pop up all the time is, you know, your goal is to remove chaos, to remove startup chaos so that the portfolio company can focus on its business journey, can focus on its invention, can focus on, at a quote, unprecedented pace, get to that value, right? So I want, I want to get your thoughts on when you look at a startup and, and you see somebody that you're thinking about bringing into Launchpad, you know, what are those chaos items that you're thinking about? You know, we, we may have startup listeners out there that are thinking about all these headwinds that they're facing, but, you know, what does BP Launchpad think about those those chaos items and how do they attack them and help help those startup companies overcome them? Yeah, and I guess there's a difference between between chaos and rapid experimentation and from a distance, they might look a little bit like the same thing. But, you know, when we're looking at, at, at companies, we're looking at we're looking at the quality of the team so, you know, do we back and believe the management team, much like a, a venture capital fund, we, we do the same thing. You know, given the early stage that some of these companies are at, we recognize that they are likely to go through a potential number of pivots and over a number of product evolutions. So whilst the, the idea and the technology has to be credible, you know, the first thing you look at is the team. Does the team work as a team? Is it well-led? Do the founders have the passion and drive and the resilience that it's, that it's going to take to get through the journey? And to some extent, that, that chaos is, is potentially driven by, in some cases, a lack of maturity in, in leadership of those organizations. 
lack of experience as a team grows from say five people to 50 people and what it takes to lead an organization of that's that kind of size and don't get me wrong many startups are incredibly well run and incredibly professionally run so it's not like all startups are swimming in chaos but I think it's more about how distracted that management team can be by things like chasing the next round of funding versus focusing on the desperate customer that they're trying to serve or the problem they're trying to fix for the customer. So, you know, by removing some of that circus of seeking funding, we free up the founders and the CEOs to really get into the mode of focusing on the customer rather than focusing on their investors, which is not to say that we don't, you know, have a have a strong eye on performance, but we are less of a distraction in terms of funding rounds than potentially find in the startup world. So that's one thing. And the second thing is sort of the degree of conscious experimentation or hypothesis-driven experimentation that's going on in these companies. There is, you know, we see sometimes that there are there are wild pivots being executed or a number of different product launches going on in startups that are not necessarily driven by a coherent hypothesis. They're just sort of staring around in the, in the dark to see if something will work. And I think one of the things that we can we can bring to the table for these companies is a, like I say, less distraction from the point of view of chasing funding all the time and more of a structured focus on, on sort of figuring out what that growth trajectory should look like and hence what the season experiments are that, that the company needs to go through. And then backing that with access to some of these advantages that I talked about, plus experience, you know, knowing what good looks like. A lot of startups run by first-time founders are going through this sort of journey for the first time. And you know, not having a support network necessarily can mean that you make all kinds of mistakes that other people have made hundreds of times before. So we try and support our companies in that way as well with an experienced entrepreneur network and some people who deeply understand what it looks like to set up your sales organization in the right way or your go-to-market strategy in the right way. Yeah, I imagine Darren will have quite a few thoughts around coaching and just access to the network. And you mentioned this earlier as one of the big advantages, right? It's an access to BP's you know, customer connectivity, but also their vendor relationships, which actually may be one of the most important. You know, we need X product or we need Y service and we don't even know who to go to, but I guarantee you BP does and they have that relationship. So those types of advantages can be huge as you allow, you know, allow the founders, allow management to focus on customers and business rather than, as you say, funding and, and all these other things that can become distractions, which I think is a huge headwind most of the time. Yeah, and also I think one of one of the big bits of value we can bring to some of these companies is an insight into our operational issues or the you know the business problems that we're trying to solve. So you might, as a as a startup in the outside world, you might have a sense or an idea or a theory about what might be you need to solve for a customer. But there's nothing better than having daily conversations with the people at the at the you know, front line of operating assets or running bits of business that are able to tell you in real time what those problems really are and provide a testbed, a real life testbed for you to go and experiment in and figure out if your solution really solves that problem in a good way or not. And getting into the iterative process of sort of do, learn, do and, you know, operating assets is incredibly difficult to do if you are not part of an organization like BP. 
Well, yeah. So, so speaking of all that, let's let's bring in Darren Edgar because I think there's the reason we do the inside segment like we do, and that we're so great grateful to have her here for her time. Is that let's let's hear from her. So, so Darren, thank you so much for joining us. And can you tell us a little bit about tell us a little bit about Light, and then would love to get your insight on the things that Stephen was say, or Steve was saying about you know all those aspects. But tell us a little bit about the company. Thank you for coming on, and yeah, the floor is yours. Well, thanks very much. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to do things with Launchpad kind of in partnership. Steve and I work together on a lot of different things, but we don't often get a chance to kind of reflect upon the journey and the ecosystem and and what it looks like. So this is a lovely time to be able to do that. Light was harvested out of one of BP's innovation teams a couple of years ago, and they had a few key pieces of technology at the time that were seen to be really, really valuable and had a lot of potential And I joined the company last year to take it from that early stage of we've got a great piece of tech into something that can be moved along into turning it into a business that lines up with the kinds of companies that Launchpad is trying to create. So since that time, we've put together a strong go-to-market, a strong team, as well as expanded our thinking around where the solutions can go and what types of problems they can solve in different types of industries. And that's happened in partnership with Launchpad as well as on our own. So we've been able to connect with Launchpad, but also use them as a sounding board when we had our own directions that we'd put together. And you need that second set of ears, that sort of extra set of eyes to look at what you've put together. That's been invaluable in the last few months and and will continue to be. So, so tell us a little bit about Light, exactly what it does, how it helps. I, I know there's a lot of verticals, but you know, obviously we have an oil and gas focus. But tell us a little bit about Light and what it, what it does for its customers. Yeah, so Light helps customers gain more insight into their sensing data. So we started with, with fiber. BP had fiber installed down its wells. And what they were doing with the fiber is that when it was sending light into the well bore, they would receive it back as sound. And what our solution does is takes insight from the digitized sound. So one way to think about what we do is we're sort of the Shazam of the sensing world where we can tell what's going on. So the best part about that is it helps you make decisions. It helps you make decisions knowing the context of what's going on in places you can't see. So an example is you might know that there's something leaking in your well, but you don't know what the leak is, how fast it's going, where did it originate, how far is it going into the well? And that's what our solution gives you insight for. So you can make the right kind of decision. You can also connect your decisions. So it might be that you have other business partners or service providers or other areas within operations that need to know what's going on with that part of the business or what decision you're making so that you can connect follow-on steps. And that's what we help customers do. We help you get context and insight so that you can make decisions. And we do that through putting context in around your sensing data. So, so Darren, I'd love to expand on that just a tad and get kind of your thoughts around, you know, the, there's the fundamental aspect that something like this service provides for operators, for companies to make that decision you're talking about, this, you know, a better, more informed decision. And a little bit of like what Steve was just saying, that as a, as a leader of a company, obviously, which you are, you're having to have make that same decision in, internally, almost in, in parallel. So can you tell us a little bit about the process and how that despite all this data that we get, it's almost like the internet, we always laugh that, you know, now we have all this information and we're 
you know, I've heard people say we're dumber now than we were before, but I think the real challenge is just, you know, how do we, how do we really take all this data and make those decisions? And so could you maybe draw some parallels between what else outside of just providing that that helps the operators and customers make their decisions? And then personally, kind of like, what do you, how do you manage that decision-making process when you are, when you have all these data, whether it's a, a business decision or even how you advise your customers? Yeah, when we're talking to customers, that's one of the challenges they talk about. They say, we've got mountains and mountains of data, lakes and lakes of data, but it doesn't tell us anything. And we don't even really know how to approach it. That's one of several problems that our customers are dealing with. And that's where we offer value in terms of we have domain experience that can help see using our algorithms and our our apps, we can help see what's actually happening in the data. But because we're adding context, we can help them make decisions around it. So an example would be, so this is, you know, a, a different application than an oil well, but let's say you have a fence and there's sensors around the fence and you hear a tapping. It's very difficult to tell if that's a squirrel or a group of 50 people approaching at a fast pace if you just have the zeros and ones on a time series. So what our software does is gives you context about the tapping so that you can decide, do I just send one guy out to deal with the squirrel or do I have to send a a comparable group of people out to deal with the fast approaching 50 people? And that's kind of what our, our solution does for people is it gives you the context around the zeros and ones at a particular point in time so that you can make the right kind of decision. You're still going to send someone out. You're still going to turn a valve. You're still going to close a door, open a door. But the pace that you move at, the strength of that decision, the intensity of that decision is going to vary, whether it's a squirrel or a group of people. I think the second part of your question was, you know, when you're trying to grow a startup into a scale-up, how do you do the same thing just as a, as a person? One of the things that's been great about being part of Launchpad, and Steve alluded to it in his opening comments, is the focus on people at a very early stage, having a strong team. And so I've inherited a lot of that benefit, starting with an existing team and then being able to add to it. So as you know, we've crested over the, the last six months of our, our time together, we've got a real level of glue that's holding us together and some process that makes us make decisions in a way that's very joined up, very transparent as well as just within ourselves, as well as working with Launchpad, there's pretty much nothing that we don't surface with the board or surface with the practice leaders within Launchpad. We keep all of our information very, very open with all our stakeholders. Darren, I want to go back to something you said before and and would also like to get Steve's thoughts on this as well, because I thought it was interesting that Light, so Light had some cool tech, some great ideas, and it was, quote, harvested out of BP and, and pulled out. And, and talk about, and this goes a little bit what you talked about earlier, Sean, just kind of the governance, the leadership at BP to say, say, hey, this is some really cool stuff. You know, is there a greater good for it? Can we grow it better outside of the corporate behemoth? And can we share it with the world, so to speak, for, for the betterment of everybody? So, Darren, wanted to get your thoughts about, you know, coming into something that's been harvested out and, and you know, what was your charge? Like, you know, did they say, hey, go run with this, you know, and, and do amazing things. And, and, and then Steve, maybe you could follow up and talk a little bit about just the willingness and the leadership of BP saying, oh, hey, this is something we should pull out and grow in a different way. I mean, during the, I had an interview process and selection process with Launchpad and Light that was several months long. So by the time I started, I had pretty much met everybody that I continue to talk to day to day. 
So I had a good read on the way in around, you know, where are the guide rails? Where are the opportunities? What am I going to be allowed to do, not allowed to do, that sort of thing. And I, I can say that we've been able to create a relationship where there's very little I'm, I'm not allowed to do. But because of the rapport that's been built, if there was something that I thought there was going to be some questions on, we have a few different ways to surface that and get it on the table, get it talked about so that if there is some question marks with it, we've got a way to go through it and maybe alter the direction. So in terms of us being harvested out of BP, the tech, some of the people, some of the processes were all harvested as a sort of a group, a group of things that went into light. However, the light today and the light sort of from its original harvest are very different entities. They've moved at the pace that you would expect a startup to move in terms of its reinvention, its pivoting and its way forward. Yeah. And just maybe if I chip in there, if that's all right, sure. Oh, of course. To add to what Darren's saying, if you zoom out a little bit from the specifics of light, every company that we bring into to Launchpad, we have a conversation up front inside BT, which sort of says, do we believe that this is going to be a more valuable technology entity or piece of business if we take it somewhat outside of the BP organization and put it into Launchpad and allow it not just to serve BP as a customer, but to serve a wider market. So that's a very explicit conversation that we have. So, you know, we, we had that with Light, we had that around the other companies that we bring in. So when we bring a company into Launchpad, we want it to you know, scale in the, in the fastest way it possibly can. And particularly since we're focused on digital or data-led companies in Launchpad, it's very often the case that unless you are selling to the widest possible market and user base, you're not accessing the rapid learning that comes from multiple customers and multiple data sets that you need to, to grow and thrive. So that's a very important aspect of, of kind of how we run Launchpad is that the companies inside Launchpad have to be able to reach the widest possible market. And in some cases, that, that may mean diversifying into verticals that are, you know, adjacent to oil and gas. And so one of the things that we're excited about, about light is, you know, looking beyond oil and gas, the fundamental technology at the heart of light and what it can do and what we've proven it can do in oil and gas can apply to a number of different use cases. The same technology we can use to potentially optimize and protect operations in wind or in solar renewables operations. It can be used to optimize and, and monitor carbon capture and sequestration sites, potentially. Potentially monitor geothermal applications, perimeter and pipeline security, transportation and smart cities and optimizing you know mobility in smart cities these are all possible applications and that's why we're excited about companies like light light when we bring them into launchpad is because typically those companies have the potential to scale across multiple verticals and use cases in other words they genuinely have the prospect to become platform technologies and that's what we are that's the bigger game that we're trying to play here is to is to build these digital platform businesses which are anchored in the emerging value chains that you know we think the world needs to participate in and the bp needs to participate in in order to make that transition to a net zero carbon world so you know companies like light may start out in the oil and gas sphere but you know they can reach many many other places 
and actually then become more global and generic industrial sensing companies, real-time sensing companies. Likewise, in some of the other portfolio companies that we've got in Launchpad, we've recently invested in a company called Finite Carbon, which originates and helps landowners monetize forestry-based carbon offsets. We think that's an incredibly important process and, and market to make sure that that the offsets that reach mar- the market are, are really high quality offsets. And so, you know, participating in that, we think, is a is a really scalable and important business for the for the future of energy. We have another business called Onyx, which is an emergent predictive maintenance platform for renewables, anchored in wind right now, but has the potential to scale across the wind industry, but into into solar and into broader kind of integrated optimization platform technology for the renewable sector. So those are the kind of plays that we are making and starting to make in Launchpad and what the ambition is. So, you know, what we're aiming for here is global digital platform companies that, you know, really help to reinvent energy as we go through the transition. Yeah, amazing stuff. And, and no doubt it's going to be a bright future in that area. So we're, it always goes by too fast, but I do want to, before we wrap up, Officially, I want to ask each of you a quick question as we tie this up. And so I want to get your perspective. When you develop a company, when you go through things, Darren, you said earlier about light isn't the same company. Out there for those listeners, give us a quick your quick viewpoint on when you have to change and pivot personally from a viewpoint, from something you you really believe in and, and the criticism, constructive criticism is for you to change. What can people do to, to kind of evolve, transition a little easier there is from a device standpoint? Darren, I'd like to get yours and then we'll go with Steve and then we'll wrap up. It's a good question because it happens to me pretty much every day, even on my own journey as CEO of this business. So far, I've been sort of in two different models of the way I've had to operate in this role. And there's sort of a third coming and it hasn't even been a first year. And one of the mental mantras that I use and our our leadership team has also started using is disagree and commit. So if we're thinking about a potential decision, it's completely okay for the team to have different viewpoints or different takes on it. But when we make that decision, even if you disagree, you commit anyway and move on and everybody's committed to the way forward. And it's been an incredibly helpful value quote to use to make decisions a little bit faster and still feel like you were heard, still feel like your input was given, but the decision has to stick and we have to keep moving and and carry on. And there'll be another chance to make another decision in a few days and you'll be able to sort of have your input on that one as well. So that's one of the ones that has has been really key to our group this year. Brilliant, brilliant. Steve, your your thoughts? It's easy to to say some of this stuff, but very difficult to, to actually enact it. But I do think there is... You know, there's an element of having strong opinions that are lightly held in, in what we do. And I think there's also, at the heart of what we're trying to do is to build a learning culture in the portfolio companies and in, and in Launchpad. And so, you know, you hear a lot of people talk about failing fast in high growth companies in the startup world, but I actually think it's about learning fast. Failure for me is when you miss an opportunity, an opportunity to learn something. So it's about the deliberate exploration of the unknown and deliberate exploration of uncertainty and being very clear about what is it that you are trying to learn as opposed to holding a very fixed idea of I love my technology and I want to see it sold to somebody is a bit of a mindset shift. And 
if you're constantly learning, then you're, the likelihood of being able to develop a highly valuable product or service that meets the needs of a, of a customer is so much greater. And so, you know, that's what I think I focus a lot of my time on is trying to develop the culture of learning and the processes and systems that, that go around that so that we can evolve at the fastest possible rate. So excellent answers. Appreciate it so much. Thank you again for your time. We're going to wrap this up. Eric, any thoughts before we go? Just an amazing discussion. And I always told my teenage kids that they need to fail faster. So I'm glad I've been <laughs> supported in that parental advice. So <laughs> get- Just flipping, say learn faster. Like, I love that. I love the twist that Steve put on that. Well, thank you both so much. Obviously, wish you nothing but continued success going forward, both uh, for BP Launchpad and for you, obviously, at Light. Darren, we're thankful for this. And again, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much. All right. And with that, we will see y'all here and listen to y'all next week. Hey, everybody. It's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for August 2021. This month, we have five events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. This month, OGGN will be hosting our monthly happy hour at the Cannon in Houston, Texas on August 26th. Our July happy hour was a hit, so if you weren't there for the last one, we hope to see you there this month. At this event, you'll be able to meet some of OGGN's hosts, network with other oil and gas industry professionals, all while enjoying great food and drinks. Other than OGGN's events, we have three in-person events and one hybrid in-person and online event. First up, we have our three in-person events, the first being OTC, or the Offshore Technology Conference, at NRG Stadium in Houston, Texas, from August 16th to the 19th. Next, we have the IPAA Leaders in Industry Luncheon at the Petroleum Club of Houston on August 17th. And lastly, we have the 2021 Connected Plant Conference at the Renaissance Hotel in Austin, Texas, from August 30th to September 2nd. Other than our three in-person events, we have our hybrid event, which is NAPE, or the North American Prospect Expo. Now this summit is a hybrid event because it's both online and in-person. The in-person portion of the event will be from August 18th to the 20th at the George R. Brown Convention Center, while the online portion of the event is from August 9th to September 3rd. If you have any questions about these events or any podcasts within the Oil & Gas Global Network, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for August. I hope you guys have a great month and thanks for tuning in. On behalf of the Elevate podcast team, thank you so much for clicking play and bringing to life these amazing stories. We hope this elevated your perspective and serves you well as you navigate understanding ESG and the energy evolution. We are so grateful for your time and kindly ask that you rate and review the show on Apple iTunes, which is a great way to help us grow. The best way to support the work we are doing is to tell a friend about it, ask them to listen, and share with others what you've learned from listening to our guests. Lastly, We want to invite you to reach out to us for any comments, suggestions, or just to connect. You can do that through my email, sean.mccoy at oggn.com. I'd love to hear from you and what you think of our podcast. Be safe, and we look forward to bringing you another episode next week. Here's a demonstration of some mental stimulation. We a nation making change. Let me frame the illustration. It's time for us to elevate your mind to a higher place. OGG in the power, here to innovate. innovate. Elevate your mind to a higher place. OGG in the power, here to innovate.